0: This is Grace with Make Bullhead Better, and this is Season 1, Episode 3. Today, I'm interviewing Anne-Marie Ward, who's running for Congress for District 4 of Arizona, which includes Bullhead City. Anne-Marie, thank you for joining me on this podcast. Thanks for having me, Grace. I'm so excited to be here. So let's start out with what party you're with and what your main differences are between who you're running against. So
1: I'm with the Republican Party. I am running against the current incumbent, 10-year incumbent, Congressman Paul Gosar. I would say the strongest differences between the two of us are the initiatives that we would choose to take on. So in my outlook of where we are at in the district and in Arizona, we need to be looking at how do we start solving so many of these outlying problems that have just stagnated from water policy to land management to looking at how to handle the opioid crisis, increasing mental and behavioral health care, making sure we have access to rural providers and specialists when it comes to healthcare. We have a plethora of problems, but that means we also have a plethora of opportunity to start fixing them. Running next to that, we have several distinctions when it comes to where he has voted and where I would have voted. Number one being that he voted against the balanced budget amendment. He switched sides. He voted with the Democrats on that. We as a country know that we are headed for the other shoe to drop on getting into this massive hole of debt. In our own homes, we all run on a budget. We know what we can afford each month, and it's time for the government to do the same. So that would be number one. You know, I'm very strongly fiscally conservative, and unfortunately, Congressman Gosar is not. He's also the number one spender of every elected representative in the nation for his office. I want to see people who are fiscally conservative themselves when they are spending our money as taxpayers. Secondary to that is the mental and behavioral health care gap. So there were several bills that came up, one being the Support Act that President Trump pushed forward, and Congressman Gosar was one of just a handful that voted against it. That provided funding for the opioid crisis, and Bullhead City being in the heart of Mojave County, it's the number five county in the nation we need somebody that realizes that that's a problem and is going to be supportive of that. When it came to the farm bill that came up, we have a $3.3 billion farm industry down in Yuma, which is a part of our district, and we'll get to that at some point, I hope, of how big this district is, but he voted no on the farm bill. Well, farming is one of the major foundations of our economy here in Arizona, so they needed that support. You know, when it came to our law enforcement, he voted against a bill that would have made it a felony to assault a law enforcement officer. He voted against the 9-11 funding for our first responders in law enforcement. And so we're just seeing this shift over to voting with the Democrats or voting against policies that would help our district. And that's not good. We need conservative voting, but we also need somebody who's proactive, who's going to take a leadership role and say, how do we start solving these problems? Because Grace, I'll tell you, when we travel the district, people know what their problems are and they know how to fix them. But they need a champion, a partner who's going to be their voice, that's going to have that relationship. And then most importantly is the education side. We hear people bemoan the education system every day from the indoctrination angle to we just don't have enough funding to the curriculum is not as diverse as it needs to be. But in reality, we have created a disastrous situation of handing out federal grants and loans and not matching them to the actual workforce. Because we have a shortage of workforce across the nation from pilots to nurses to construction workers, you name it. And yet we have all these students with college degrees, $100,000 of debt and nowhere to go except for to look for government assistance, which is where we see the Bernie Sanders and the AOCs gain momentum with the socialist rhetoric of free everything Because when you're in $100,000 of debt and you don't have healthcare, and you don't have your own home, you're looking for free. And so that's where we start. And then we need to trickle down and look at education as a whole. And so we've done a lot of outreach with millennials, Gen Z, Gen X, to really start helping them understand that free everything's not going to work, but conservative principles and policies are going to help you with where you need to go. And so that is the longest answer ever of what's the difference. But there are some basic pieces, and then I hope we can dive into a couple of those.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, before we get into those, could you just tell us? You know, we know Bullhead is in District 4, and you mentioned that it's the fifth largest district in Arizona. But could you tell us, you know, from what part of Arizona, which counties are included in that, and how do you feel like you're going to represent? Everyone in that huge district more adequately than than Gosar has been. Okay, so
1: not the fifth largest, like you said, fifth. Mojave County was the fifth highest in the nation oh, with sorry. the opioid crisis. That's okay. We in this district, it covers almost half of the state. So we have seven counties. We have the left, the west half of Yavapai County, almost all of Mojave, La Paz, half of Yuma County, part of Pinal, part of Gila, and part of Maricopa. The nice part is that these communities are all basically rural communities where they have similar issues when it comes to looking at health care, looking at education, looking at how do we have access and what does it look like for our public lands. What makes them distinctly different comes to usually geographic region, so Bullhead City, Lake Havasu. Uh, Parker, Quartzsite, and Yuma all rely on the Colorado River for their water source. So that's somewhere that I will be actively engaged because the law of the river protects rural communities from big trust fund money taking their water away from them. When it comes to the central areas of the state, they're looking at groundwater. And some of those areas in our district are on AMAs. And so we're looking at different policy for them. But overarching themes are nice that they share. The beauty of a representative is they can not only work on national issues, but issues that affect local areas. Interfacing with bureaus and agencies, making sure BLM isn't locking up land, staying in front of water issues on the Colorado River and being supportive. Those are the areas that we haven't seen leveraged enough that we can. And so to answer your question of how do you equally represent, it's, it's akin to what we're doing now in the campaign. Every day we're somewhere new and we make sure that we are figuring out what are their top three to five issues in that area at the federal level that they need a champion on and they know what they are and we have put together cabinets of experts of people that are helping us talk about these issues and know where to move forward and that's something that i would maintain with a very strong staff that was also invested in these areas it makes a difference, I was born and raised here, so it makes a difference to be from the district and to be invested in where we're going.
0: Absolutely, so just on that last, I know that was kind of a three-part question, so how do you feel like you would be doing this better than, than Gosar is right now? Well,
1: basic pieces, so we need somebody who is going to be strategic at every level. One is office placement. There is a tiny office in Prescott and a tiny one down in the Phoenix area to cover this district. Well, what happens to Mojave County, to La Paz, to Yuma, to these other areas, they're not having somebody that is present in those communities. So office placement needs to be more strategic so that these other areas have a presence, that it's easy to access who your representative is and their staff, because the staff are really driving a lot of the very specific projects. The second piece would be getting staff who are from the different areas who know who the people are and are engaged on making sure that we are moving the issue forward, whether it's burrows and horses, whether it is mental and behavioral healthcare, whether it is helping work on issues to repeal all the gun control laws that we have in place that are not working, that those are driving forward. And so that is not being done. And then we also need somebody who is moving in Washington, D.C. in a different way that is working on specific targeted problems from healthcare to water policy to make sure that there is a forward momentum. And we just don't have that right now. At any point in time, somebody should be able to stop their representative and say, what top issues are you working on in my area and how are they going? Because it just hasn't happened.
0: Mm -hmm. That was a lot. I'm really glad that we got to cover all of those issues. Let's talk a little bit about you, where you're from, and uh, why you feel like you're qualified to do this huge job of representing District 4 of Arizona as a congresswoman.
1: So I was originally born and raised in Prescott Valley and if the listeners are familiar with it, it's in Yavapai County and when I grew up there it was nothing. There was nobody there, dirt roads, one stoplight, we had the Safeway And it was wonderful to grow up in a small town and then see it grow around me. My wonderful connection to Bullhead is that my husband is from Bullhead City. He was raised here. His family moved to Bullhead in 1951. And so between the two of us, we have a really good stakehold on Arizona. And we're raising our two children here. And so we have deep roots here and we really care about where things are going. So to to answer a little bit about what qualifies me, I started out thinking I wanted to be an attorney, went to school, got my bachelor's in political science, interned for an attorney, decided that wasn't for me, all due respect to any attorneys listening, and then I went on to be a teacher. I got my master's in ed and I taught middle school, which to some is even more extreme than being an attorney, right? (laughs) Loved that and enjoyed it until Common Core came aboard. And if you're familiar with Common Core, you're groaning right now. Then I went on and got my doctorate in business leadership because I figured out that people don't quit the job, they quit the people. Great leadership is somebody who has a plan, they're able to translate that in a way that people get on their bus, and they're able to encourage and motivate people to go with them. And that's what we're missing at the national level. When this country started, and my family fought in the Revolutionary War, and almost every war since, it wasn't, do we have the people going there that have the most money, Do we have the people going there that have the most lobbyist support or the blessing of the party? It was, do we have people that really care about the people, that are problem solvers, that are able to work together to collaborate in a civil way to figure out what we need to do. When our founding fathers sat together and put their muskets down, they debated very heatedly what, what it should look like, how this country should be formed, and they put together the greatest nation in the world. We don't see that kind of political leadership now. We see people who are paid off by lobbyists that are there for 10, 20, 30, 40 years that are warming a chair but not getting anything done. They don't relate to us. They don't know what it's like to live our lives. And that's what has to change. Really, anyone should be qualified to go and represent us as long as they are willing to work, to collaborate, to be civil in their discourse and to have a plan of where we need to go. What qualifies me specifically, I would strongly say that being from here and living here and raising my kids here, I have to look every single person in the eye because this is my community. And so what I say I'm going to do, I have to do. I am open and transparent and accessible to the people, something that's been missing for a long time. Elected leaders should not be dignitaries. They are the employee of we the people. And that's a shift we need to make. So I strongly would argue that I bring the opinion of all of us of where government should be and how we're going to take it there.
0: I'd like to hop in here and take a minute to really appreciate Dr. Mark White and his wife, um, Kelly White who own Valley Dental Associates, which is located at 1360 Raymar Road here in Bullhead City. They are an incredible couple and own an incredible business, which not only does teeth whitening, laser dentistry, oral surgery, and as well as your just normal dentistry checkups, but they're also very invested in our community. And probably a couple weeks ago, I started what's called the Teacher Appreciation Community Coalition, where different businesses and individuals can donate directly to teachers in schools for items that they're having to buy out of their own pocket. like. Expo whiteboard markers or paper, um, just a whole array of different things that as the school year starts to wrap up, those resources start to dry out. So I just want to say thank you so much to them specifically because they saw the need and they've already started donating. So thank you so much. If you are looking for a dentist in our town, please consider using Valley Dental Associates which is again is located at 1360 Raymar Road. Their phone number is 763-8111, and when you call, please just say I heard about you on Makeable Head Better. Thanks. So, let's talk about something that would probably be on a lot of people's minds if they were to see you in person. This podcast obviously you can't but you can go over to my Facebook page or my YouTube channel and you can see our live interview in person with Anne Marie. Um so you are quite young and you have two children and you um why do you think that those things don't disqualify you from being Congresswoman for District 4 of Arizona? You know that's a great question and it's
1: one that I receive on occasion Usually from a man where they say, you know, you're a woman, your place is at home with your children. And I've even had a few say to me that the biggest mistake we made was allowing women the right to vote. So that was an interesting moment. (laughs) But it's a good question because we often think that a woman should be at home raising her children. And I do have two children. My argument is, what if I don't go? What opportunities do my children have? Do they have the opportunities that I did? Because in the socialist world that we are headed towards, that's beginning to champion among our next generations, among the millennials, among Gen Z, my kids won't be able to choose where they want to go to school and who they want to be when they grow up. If somebody like me doesn't step in, what opportunities do they have? And I can't keep saying, I hope somebody does. If we want something to change, we have to be that change. You know, I would say secondary to that, as a woman, We are looking right now at females on the national stage like AOC or Nancy Pelosi who are not representing females in the way they think. They're not bringing smart policy to the table. And look at the parties. In the Democrat Party, out of the 535 representatives in the Senate and the House together, there's 105 Democrat women. For that, for the Republican women, there are only 22 Wow! It is time for us to bring strong, smart, proactive women as the Republican Party forward. And I can tell you, Grace, when I am out and about, I cannot tell you how many times in a day I hear, it is so good to see young women that are conservative because the Republican Party is struggling. The left has been smart and proactive. They have utilized and leveraged social media. And those algorithms, predictive analytics, artificial intelligence, they are driving their message long after they quit talking. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The right, we haven't done that. And it's our time. It's our turn to bring people that can go toe to toe with that socialist rhetoric that the Bernies and AOCs are bringing to the table and fight back. And what better way to do it than somebody who represents the next generation of conservatives? So being young, being female, being a mom who understands and has a stake in education and where we're going is nothing but a benefit and asset to District 4.
0: I totally agree. So Anne-Marie, can you tell me what does a typical day look like on the campaign trail um, for you and your campaign manager?
1: You know, that's a really great question because I even, when we started the campaign, says, what does a day need to look like? And we learned a lot about what, how our campaign structured. and many of the times campaigns are focused solely on going to very partisan events. So if I was doing this the traditional way, I'd be at every Republican event and we are at the majority of them. But in our viewpoint, when we started planning this campaign, it was if people are going to trust me to solve their problems. I need to be out there learning about their industries, their business, their daily lives, what it's like to go about in their communities, what they think. And so we do everything. We have been at the border talking about the wall. We have been on farms and irrigation districts. We've been in jails. We have gone to schools. We have talked all about um, BLM management by going to planning sessions. We have been mining. I've actually gone mining a couple of times. You were with us one time, we were <laughs> at a gold mine. Um, so wherever it may be, we go there and learn about it because policy should not be driven by just words on a paper or by a staffer's opinion. Policy should be driven because I know people that are doing that job, that are living there, that are experts on it, that know healthcare, that know education. And then together, great leadership brings all the experts to the table and helps facilitate an excellent plan and then drives that forward. And so our campaign has been about figuring out and documenting what are the top issues in each area, who are the stakeholders, who are the experts on different policies, so that when we are elected, we are ready to get up and running and can start solving now for what problems have stagnated for so long.
0: So that's a good point. You said, what are the areas that are most important in each of these different cities or rural areas? So you've been here to Bullhead several times. Could you hit on a couple of the major things that people in Bullhead City have said are our top issues? You know, and thank you for saying that. We've been to Bullhead several times in the
1: campaign capacity, and I've been here hundreds of times (laughs) with my husband being here in Bullhead. And in this area, what we hear at the very top is health care. There's not enough specialists. There's not enough general practitioners. There's a lack of mental and behavioral health resources. There needs to be a greater focus on opioid care. Uh, they're looking at water. And water, not just on it being available, but also the safety of water. Is it healthy? Can you be in it? Also, BLM has been right at the top of the burros and horses have been a problem. They need to be looked at differently, and everyone on that issue is ready to come to the table. They just need someone to facilitate that Um, access for BLM. There's a lot of people that love to get out on their 4 by 4s that want to go hunting, and too many of these decisions on access to our public lands are made in D.C. or in a silo, even here in the state. So these are just some of the issues, but those are probably what hits at the top for the Bullhead City area and hopefully at some point we can dive
0: into those. Yes, absolutely. So this is our first podcast together, but every other week I will be posting a podcast with Anne-Marie and we'll talk about all the different issues that are going on in Bullhead, also all over District 4. So it'll be very exciting to um, to hear her perspective and how she's actually getting things done and how we can come alongside of her as citizens and uh, let her know what's going on, how we feel about it, and how she can make a difference in our area. Would you like to close, uh, close us off here? Yeah, that'd be great. And you know, Grace, you said something great, how
1: we can come alongside of her. This isn't me. I'm asking for your confidence to vote for me. But this is you, your opinions, us together collectively. It shouldn't end once the primary is over and we've won. It should be ongoing where we're working together. What I need from you as listeners right now is to go online to our website, and Grace will have it below here, to www.anmarieforcongress.com. Click the button that says sign our petition, and that gets me on the ballot. And right now, that's what we need the most. At that point, if you'd like to explore that website, sign up to volunteer, donate, whatever it may be, we'd be happy to have you on our team. And you can also follow us on all the social media, whatever outlet is your choice, from Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we would love to hear from you. So please reach out, but be sure to sign that petition.
0: Thank you so much, Anne-Marie, for being part of Making Bullhead Butter and for your time today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Grace.